Last few weeks we started looking at the blessed statements. We had an introduction to the, the whole, Matthew 5, verses 2 to 10. And last week we looked at verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then this week we look at verse 4, and blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, when, when is it socially acceptable to be in mourning? Unless you struggle with depression or perhaps have just experienced the death of a loved one or a divorce or a child moving away or some other loss in your life, People generally in society, they put a lot of pressure on others to feel and to talk and to act cheery. Our society has equated laughter with well-being. And much of the, what the world does and that whole entertainment industry is, is really focused on trying to keep you in that positive frame of mind. When ads portray the, the good life, the good life full of pleasures, what do they picture? It's always presented with, with big smiles and with, with people laughing together, even though everybody knows in their heart that proverb, Proverb 14, verse 13, even in laughter, the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. The fact is the world doesn't like mourners. Mourners are wet blankets. Well, how about in the church? How about in the communion of saints? While we expect some people to be mourning some of the time, but do we expect everybody in the church to be mourning all the time? Isn't it often the case that we see mourning as something we go through for a period of time and that we don't see mourning as a characteristic of the citizen of the kingdom of heaven? We may even ask, who wants to go around mourning all the time? And so when we read Matthew 5, verse 4, we're we need to figure out what is our Lord Jesus saying? He said the citizens of the kingdom of God, one of the characteristics are that they, they mourn. And he says that when God's children mourn, those are the ones who are, they are blessed because they will be comforted. Now this mourning is related to a repentance. And therefore it can be followed with our Lord's beautiful promise of comfort. And I preach you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme, blessed are the mourners, for they will find comfort in Christ. We'll see when you mourn over the fall into sin, not if, but when, you will be comforted by Christ's victory. Well, there are a lot of reasons to mourn in this life. You can think of the old country song Man in Black by Johnny Cash in which he goes through all the, 
the suffering in the world, explaining why he always wears black. Part of the suffering he mentions, people don't know Jesus' words. He thinks of the unhelped addicts. He mentions political prisoners who long paid the price for their crime. We can think of different causes of sadness and suffering and misery in your own life personally. Perhaps you have a family member you love very much who does not know the gospel or has left the church of Jesus Christ. It could be that a loved one is addicted to harmful things which turn that person into a manipulator and cause a lot of divisions. Perhaps as you're thinking of your own life, you are thinking of broken relationships or illness or injury or even death in your family. We could also think of the catastrophes and all the tragedies that we hear about in the world. The deaths that have been caused by the coronavirus in the news recently. Read of earthquakes and volcanoes and tsunamis and we, we read of these oppressive and violent regimes that are killing citizens of their own countries. Wars, violence, sexual abuse, child abuse, all these things that make people wonder if it's possible for a good God to exist. The devil and the fall into sin have brought in very difficult and even horrible consequences into our lives in this fallen world. And although we trust in God's infinite wisdom and we rejoice in his holy discipline and we submit to his divine plan, we know that rebellion, rape and hatred and greed and disease and all those other consequences of the fall into sin, they're not a part of the original plan in paradise. And to start then, we need to be very clear that when Jesus said, blessed are you who mourn, he is not saying that we should pray for these many reasons to suffer in your life. Not saying that all these things that cause sorrow in our lives are good things. No, it's, it's, it's to fall into sin. They're consequences of rebellion. Well, Jesus also did not say that sadness, suffering, and pain in themselves are good things. Jesus is not like the so-called friend who tries to comfort the severely suffering soul by telling them they're actually quite blessed to have to experience this soul-ripping grief. We grieve in different ways, and we grieve for different reasons, some very godly and some less. And yet we discover that all the, the stages of grieving that everyone passes through, they include many unpleasant things that are crippling, actually hinder 
our worship of God. It can be compared to, to having an arm or a limb just, just ripped off. You can imagine in a war and it's, it's messy and the pain is there and, and you have to suffer the consequences of, of that missing limb, that limitation for, for the rest of your years. When Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, he is not telling God's children that God is happy that you're experiencing the suffering. That he wishes a broken heart upon you or anxiety or stress or anger or frustration and, 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 and overall sadness in your life. In fact, if, if Jesus showed in his life that such suffering is not something that God delights in, it's even a bad thing, because he works so diligently to reverse the effects of the fall into sin. Look at his miracles, look at his, his cures, look at his compassion, look at his teaching. If Jesus thought that suffering in itself was a good thing, why would he have ensured the, that the ministry of charity continue the work, his work, in the work that the deacons are, are doing in the church? Why would he give his children this desire to be doctors and, and nurses and, and building and fighting against the effects of the fall? Although God may use suffering to sanctify us, Jesus' miracles and his love show that even God himself is grieved by this suffering. The people that the sovereign and holy God created in his image to love him and to love one another and, and to glorify him, well, they've turned against their God. They've fallen into to sin and now they have a sinful nature that is hell-bent on fighting against their very creator. God is grieved. All, all people could have been living in paradise with God as, as he had made it. But we deprived ourselves of peace with God and a truly blessed life. And together with Psalm 119, verses 136 and 139, we sang it together and the stanzas, a little different. There we lament, my eyes shed streams of tear because people do not keep your law. For my zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. When we understand who God is, what all people with fallen sinful natures constantly do against him, what God has said will happen to everyone who persists in the rebellion, then we will mourn. This is the kind of mourning that our Lord Jesus exemplified in this life, even though he had no sin. When he came to Jerusalem, he wept over the hardness of the hearts of the Jewish leaders who refused to seek peace with God in Jesus Christ. He was so moved by human suffering and that the desperate and that hopeless weeping that he wept when Lazarus died, even though he knew he would raise him up. 
He mourned over sin in the world. He mourned for the consequences of the sin. He mourned for the hardness of heart even among the people of God. And when the Holy Spirit helps us to see that big picture, to see all that is happening in the world, in the spiritual way, it's like wearing x-ray glasses that show all that's really happening behind it all. How every part fits into that big picture. This means that the mourning that Jesus is talking about is at a deeper level than just being sad about the loss of things and people that we loved. It goes deeper than those things that or mentioned in the Johnny Cash song, or, or that we find these are, these are things that make me sad, things that happen to us. The mourning is really focused on the fact that there is any evil at all. We don't need to be weeping and suffering because of personal tragedies in our lives in order to be blessed mourners. And the other way is true as well. You can, you can weep and suffer all your life without being one of those blessed mourners, even though your suffering can bring you to, to see more clearly that everything isn't right in the world. Blessed mourners are those who see the truth of the whole situation who know God's word as a sovereign and holy ruler. They see the whole picture and they care. They care. They, they love God. They love their neighbor. They do not enjoy to see their neighbor suffering. I think of a pro-life march. Sometimes we're part of, of that. We're not marching because we want to be right. We're marching because we love the people whose lives are ruined. When lives of babies are taken in the womb. So not only do we grieve when bad things happen, but looking at the big picture, we grieve even more because we know it's all because of human pride and rebellion that was not there when God first created the world for us. And as we look around, we see that the root cause of all our sin and all our misery is that separation from God and the curse that came as a result of our fall into sin. We don't just mourn the fact that we have committed sins, personal weaknesses, we don't just mourn the fact that our sins have hurt other people. We don't just mourn the fact that we have to suffer the consequences. But led by the Spirit, we mourn that we have, we even have a sinful nature. That our sins offend God. As we'll sing about in Psalm 51. Now this is what Paul cried out about in his own life, when he called himself a wretched man. This is what Paul grieved over in the lives of the Jewish nation. You can read about that in Romans 9. The Holy Spirit 
when he dwells within our hearts, he makes us sensitive both to that rebellion and to the grace of God in every corner of the earth. The glasses that help us to see also lead us to mourn as we tremble before the holiness of our sovereign creator who made it all for his glory. And such a mourner is blessed because he is ready. He is blessed because he has been prepared, prepared to be comforted. The blessing that our Lord Jesus gives in Matthew 5, verse 4, only comes to those mourners whose eyes are opened by the Spirit to understand. The final clause of Jesus' second blessed statement indicates that those who mourn are those who are blessed because they will be comforted. The two are connected. Already in the Old Testament, it was clear that only those who were sinning against their will would receive the forgiveness of sins that was symbolized and offered in the sin and guilt offerings. But Jesus' teaching is very similar. He connects mourning with being comforted. And when you look at Luke 6, where the Lord Jesus talks about blessed are those who mourn now or mourn and weep now and woe to you who laugh now. The Lord Jesus is helping us to understand more what he's saying here. He's, he's contrasting those who laugh now with those who are mourning and weeping. And that laughter that Jesus speaks about in Luke 6 is, is that laughter that makes light of serious situations. It even has a, a mocking tone. If you are frivolous about life, you're always pursuing that superficial joy, that, that outside smile. And you ignore the holiness of God that exposes the ugliness of sin against him. The Lord Jesus tells us that superficial, temporary feeling is the only joy you will know. By saying that only those who mourn will be comforted, the Lord Jesus is warning against complacency. He's warning against a, a false sense of security in your own chosen ignorance and blindness. He's warning against trying to cover over reality with a fake smile. So others at least think that everything's okay. That's why so much gospel preaching begins with a preaching of the holiness of God along with a call to repentance and humility before him. Though you may ignore your wound, to use the Lord's words in the prophecy of Jeremiah, though you may ignore your wound and your real need for peace with God, though you may want to just laugh it off, you won't find lasting comfort in self-deception. Only those who take sin seriously and truly seek righteousness and renewal will receive their heart's desire. Our Lord Jesus 
was called a man of sorrows in Isaiah 53. And if you look at his life, you can see that he never forgot that his Father in heaven was holy. He never forgot that the sinful <clears throat> human's greatest need was the forgiveness of sins. Even when he healed someone, Jesus always, what did he speak about? He spoke about the forgiveness of sins. He urged people, he said, sin no more. He said, show yourselves to the priests. Return to the faithful worship of God. There was an urgency even as he, as he brought healing. Jesus was seeing the sinner like his Father in heaven was seeing him or her. A sheep without a shepherd. A person on the verge of suffering under God's punishment unless they repented. And yet a person that was created in God's image to be so much more. There's the compassion, there's the urgency of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what our God is like. He wants us all to enjoy the benefits of being his children. He cares very much when we reject his blessings. And he was so serious about saving his children that he sent his only begotten son to bear his wrath against all mankind that we could be restored to fellowship and peace with him. While Jesus was on earth, he had to mourn because he saw the horrible effects of the fall and the sin, and he knew what rebellious sinners deserve for their sins. Jesus' eyes were, were on the cross, his cross, the place where God poured out his anger against the human race and cursed his son with the eternal death that every sinner deserves. Jesus Christ took sin seriously. Jesus took his Father's holiness seriously. And those who mourn understand what the real problem is for mankind, and so they're able to, to recognize that Jesus is the Savior. Those who mourn know what they need and find it in Jesus Christ. When we participate in the Lord's Supper, we don't just laugh and say whatever in a frivolous way, but we appreciate the fullness of Christ's work and, and we mourn that it was only necessary because of our own human rebellion. And then we also can see how Jesus is the perfect solution for the world, for, for, for the, the answer of God to the sinfulness and the rebellion and the arrogance of mankind. And in him, we find our comfort. So what is the image? What image will the true church of Jesus Christ portray to the world? Think of somebody walking in to a worship service of the true church of Jesus Christ is it a picture of, of, of laughter and fellowship and tranquility and, and levity? Or is it a picture of seriousness, sinfulness, and sadness? Well, that's a false dilemma, isn't it? It is true 
that we are serious about our sins, therefore honoring the work of God in Jesus Christ. We are realistic about our rebellion, so we honestly confess our sins before the Lord. We weep in our weakness. We tell the world, yes, we are weak. We don't have it all together. But we are not morose and depressed and only focused on sins as if the devil actually won the victory. Far from it. Every time we come together, we are filled with a deep joy, a real joy deep in our, our hearts because we know of God's grace. And we love to celebrate his faithfulness to us every day in spite of our sins and our weakness. And so how do we com combine mourning with thanksgiving? How do the two come together? Well, the Lord Jesus used the best word to describe what Christians are like when he said that we would be comforted. The word comforted assumes the presence of hardship and sorrow, but it also assumes that we have been carried through by God's grace. This is who we are. This is what the world needs to know about the church. We're not a laughing group of people who ignore sin and declare people forgiven who have never repented, who, who ignore reality. Nor a depressed, down bunch of people who have never found a way out of sin and cling to some form of false piety in the hope that it'll earn our way into heaven. We're not those things. We are the comforted. We are a group of comforted people because Christ has the victory. And if you will look at Jesus' blessed statement, you will notice that he puts the promise of comfort into the future. They will be comforted. And on the one hand, that shows that comfort is a consequence of truly mourning that we will find in God every time that we mourn. And already now, as we are mourning over the fall into sin, we can, we can hear the gospel message that God still loves the church. We hear the gospel message that Jesus Christ saves us from all our sins, and, and the two are brought together, the mourning and the comforted. And we are comforted because we know that our salvation doesn't depend on our righteousness, that God's Spirit is in our hearts we are comforted because we know that God is with us in our struggles and his spirit is within our hearts. There is more to the reality than we could see with our eyes. Mourning is sorrow that is accompanied with repentance and faith. Everything we do is done in the context of eternity. And that passage in Romans 8 that we read really captures that combination of the morning and the comfort that we express and experience today. Psalm 30 that we sang today expresses the sadness, the morning, right beside the comfort. 
for seeing the suffering in the world increases our longing for the glory that is to be revealed. Our mourning helps us to understand the extreme value of God's promises. And our faith in these promises gives us comfort. Creation is groaning in its bondage to corruption. Romans 8. Together with us who have the first fruits of the Spirit as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons and the redemption of our bodies. That's verses, verse 23. And in this hope, we are saved. This hope gives us comfort even while we wait for it patiently. We know that Jesus came and he fulfilled that prophecy of Isaiah 61 that we read. He came to comfort all who mourn. To grant those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Do you see what we have in Jesus Christ? You hold it before you, before your eyes, even while you mourn. Because although we do not see it fully today, we know that when our Lord Jesus returns and the universe can witness his victory, then God will dwell with men and Revelation 21, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more and neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things will have passed away. Praise the Lord that in Jesus Christ we may be comforted mourners, eager for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ and the end to all those horrible effects of the fall and the sin that we see around us. May our Lord Jesus come soon. Amen. We'll sing together Psalm 51, stanzas 2, 3, and 4.